You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. And Kirk Herbstreit is on six. the phone. Here Andre, the podcast. We. This is America. Air Force Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for, what did I just say? Episode 600 of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here's what you need to know about today's show. Give you a quick rundown of what you need to know. We're going to, uh, I'm going to start to call this Thursday episode the almost Friday episode. In other words, we're going to talk about the big college football games, but maybe not do the full weekend breakdown. That'll be Friday's show. Um, but what we'll do, we'll have some fun. And I want to tell you a couple things about Friday or about, about Saturday slate. I want to tell you why I actually believe Tennessee LSU is actually the biggest game on the college football slate. And I'm going to tell you what that game means and what is at stake for both teams from there. Many of you probably saw, but Nick Saban, he went on an all time rant on Tuesday of this week. I'm going to tell you why I, I, you know, these Nick Saban rants, we know that there's always a message behind the message. I'm going to tell you what that message is um, and why I think Alabama could be in really good shape. A&M could be in very big trouble uh, coming into Friday. Finally, wrap the show with a couple quick notes. One, Victor Wenbanyama, number one pick potentially in the 2023 NBA draft. He is in the U.S. He's from France. He is playing a couple exhibition games here. We are already getting talk of him shutting it down. This needs to stop. Credit to the kid. He says he's not doing it. And then finally, how about this? A remake of a sports classic may be coming. And I'm going to tell you why. I actually think it's a good thing, although I would make some alterations to the script. Before we get started, do want to remind you, Betfred Sportsbook is our official presenting sponsor. And here's the deal. I have told you their story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK. What I've also told you is that Betfred has come to the United States and they have made a big splash. The presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, the presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos. The Broncos play tonight, Thursday night football, Colts at Broncos. Why do I bring it up? I have told you that nobody takes care of their customers like Betfred, and they are putting their money where their mouth is. They are giving us, listeners of the Aaron Torres Pod, so when I say us, not me, you, they're giving you two free tickets 
to a VIP tailgate tonight. All you can eat food, everything's included. It's going to be great. You're going to have a blast Thursday night in Denver for Colts Broncos. If you want to be involved, DM me at Aaron underscore Torres. I'll get you some details, but I am just telling you, if you are planning on going to the game tonight, or even if you're not, Betfred is going to take care of the VIP uh, tailgate. You're never going to eat better. Hit up Torres at Aaron underscore Torres, and we'll make sure that you're taken care of, or at least entered to be taken care of. We're going to have two winners. I'll keep you posted on Friday's show. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, uh, as I said to lead the show, I I think we're going to start to call the Thursday episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast the almost Friday episode. And that's not to disparage Thursdays. I'm not one of those working for the weekend kind of guys. I like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I like all the days. I I take advantage of all of them. But why I bring it up is because what I think we're going to do on this show is that Friday to me, is really the day where you look at all the games and you get in the weeds and you give your predictions and you say, this is why I like this team against that team. This is why I like that team against this team. But Thursday is kind of the day to me that you start to look ahead more so at the narratives. What are the big conversations going into this weekend and what could be the big conversations coming out? And so when I look at this coming weekend, what I want to do is talk about the game to me that I think by far is the most interesting and the one with the most interesting storylines. And it's not the game that I think most people are going to be talking about going into the weekend. It's not AM Alabama. It's not Texas, Oklahoma. To me, it is a top 25 matchup in Baton Rouge, 11 a.m. Eastern. Shame on the SEC for making this one at 11 a.m. Central, I should say, noon Eastern, as LSU is hosting a top 10 Tennessee team. And why this game is interesting to me, I think, you know, you look at those two other games that I just mentioned. I don't know that there's really any narrative that would really, I think, be like jarring to the world of college football coming out of Texas, Oklahoma. And I don't really know that there'd be a really jarring narrative coming out of Alabama A&M unless A&M somehow pulls the upset. And even then, Bryce Young might not play. What does it all mean? All that good stuff. But Tennessee LSU, you think about everything that's at stake for both these programs with first or second year head coaches programs that I think both fan bases think that they are on the rise. You talk about what the conversation could be about, about either of these teams on Monday. Let's get into it because to me, again, this is the most fascinating game on the schedule by far for Tennessee. Listen, I'll tell you this. When I look at Tennessee, a couple things stand out. They are in the top 10 in the country. They are coming off a really, really, really impressive win against Florida a few weeks ago, obviously coming off of a bye. And if they were to win this game, I really do think that they would be officially the SEC program that is on the rise, that they're not quite Alabama, they're not quite Georgia. I'm not saying they're anywhere, I'm not even saying they're anywhere close, but this is a program that won seven games last year, as we've talked about many times, easily could have won a few more, could have beat Ole Miss at home, could have beat Pitt at home, ended up losing both because of weird situations. You know, Hennon Hooker gets hurt early or doesn't play early in the game against Pitt, he gets hurt late in the game against Ole Miss. Well, if Tennessee seven wins last year, they start this year five and zero with just their second win against Florida in the last fifteen years. Then they go to Baton Rouge. Oh, it's on! And Tennessee is officially one of the more fascinating programs in college football. Beyond that, what I would also say, I do think if Tennessee were to go to LSU and get a win, I'm just telling you right now, 
I think the Hendon Hooker Heisman talk, say that 10 times fast. That's the new Triple H, all right? I'm not a wrestling person. I don't know who the old Triple H is, but Hendon Hooker Heisman talk, that would be the buzz coming out of LSU because I don't see the scenario. Like, I don't see a game where Tennessee goes down to LSU and beats them, you know, 14-12 or something like that. So for Tennessee to win these games, they are going to rely on their older veteran quarterback who is coming off an incredible game against Florida and has had an incredible season so far. Think about where the Heisman race is now and where it could become Monday if Tennessee gets this win. I think you can legitimately argue that Hendon Hooker might be the front runner right now as we speak this second. Nobody's really stepped up. Bryce Young's a little bit banged up. I guess C.J. Stroud might be that guy, but Ohio State, I don't really feel like has had those super marquee games yet. I know they played Notre Dame early, but Notre Dame struggled out of the gate. I know they played Wisconsin a few weeks ago, but Wisconsin stinks. They just fired their coach. And so C.J. Stroud's going to have time to build momentum throughout the year if he, in fact, does. But Bryce Young, I don't think, is there yet. I don't get the vibe that Caleb Williams is there. And so you start to look at the Heisman. Tell me why, if Hennon Hooker has a big game coming out of this weekend, why we're not talking about Hennon Hooker as the favorite for the Heisman. Just think about it. Coming into the weekend, this is a guy that's completing 72% of his passes. This is a guy that has thrown eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, rushed for over 100 yards against Florida. And what he would have coming out of this weekend that I don't think C.J. Stroud has, that I don't think Caleb Williams has right now, he'd have a couple signature wins in marquee games against good or at least interesting competition that we all know. Think about it. Two weeks ago, played Florida, CBS, 330 game. Anthony Richardson is making all sorts of throws. Defense can't keep Florida off the field. What does Hendon Hooker do? Every time they need a play, he comes through, he delivers. Now he goes to LSU, even in a day game, and gets a win there. Oh, I think we're talking Hendon Hooker as the Heisman favorite coming out of Saturday if they were to get the win, um, because I do think he's going to have to put up big stats. By the way, if somehow Tennessee wins without Hendon Hooker putting up big stats, that's almost better because it feels like the defense then would have stepped up and made plays like they need. Finally, what I would say, if Tennessee goes to Baton Rouge and beats LSU, I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it will happen. But I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to whisper it. I don't want to say it too loud. Do we have to start talking about Tennessee as a potential dark horse SEC East champion? Now, I know. I know you're sitting there saying, you, you just drove off the road. Torres, you're out of your mind. What are you talking about? And I get where you would say that. Tennessee still has Alabama next week. That's at home. They still have Georgia later in the year. That's on the road. So I totally understand where you would say, I am insane for even considering the conversation. I guess my question would be this, though. I don't know that they beat Alabama, especially assuming Bryce Young is back. But tell me that they can't at least be interesting against Georgia. Let's say they go to LSU and win big and Hennon Hooker throws the ball all over the field. Let's say that Georgia beats Auburn but Georgia's sloppy like they have been the last two weeks, and they beat Auburn, say, 24-6, to but they're not impressive because I think that's part of the conversation as well. It's not just how well Tennessee appears to be playing coming into this one. It's the fact that Georgia has not looked that good the last few weeks. 22 points to Kent State the other day. Last week against Missouri, they went 26-22. They were down 22 to nine. I think they were down 19-9 to going into the fourth quarter. They were, down nine, they were down 10 points to Missouri going into the fourth quarter. Now, maybe they were just looking ahead to the rivalry game this week against Auburn. Maybe they were just whatever. But if you can be down by 10 to Missouri, 
you better not blink against Tennessee. They'll put up 10 points before you even can think. And so I'm not saying it will happen, but allow yourselves to dream, Tennessee fans. Close your eyes. Flo- Georgia is not the team that they wa- that they were the last couple of years, and that, that, that doesn't mean that they're bad. I, I should t- I take that back. They're not the team that they were last year. We can argue, we can debate it. Should they be number one? Should they be number two? This is a team that's given up 22 points the last two weeks. Um, the defense is not as good as they were a week ago. And I'll take it a step further. Outside of Brock Bowers, like, like, like sometimes the offense gets a little bit stagnant. And so, again, maybe I'm overreacting. I know it's a pipe dream. I think we got to start talking about Tennessee as a dark horse to Atlanta, even though I think Georgia's the favorite. I think Georgia's the favorite. But if Tennessee gets this win, look at their schedule. They get Kentucky at home. They get Missouri at home. Vandy, South Carolina on the road. You can lose to Alabama. If you beat Georgia and you win all your other games, you're going to Atlanta. But I also think in a worst-case scenario for Tennessee, you're looking at probably 10-2. and two. Worst, worst, worst-case scenario if you get through this game 9-3. and three. And I think we are talking about Tennessee as very much a program on the rise. Now let's look at what would happen if LSU won. And if LSU wins this game, let me just tell you this. All the blue check marks on Twitter that don't like Brian Kelly, for some reason, Brian Kelly is the least liked person on social media. I don't get it, okay? All this guy ever did was win a bunch of games at Notre Dame, and oh my goodness, he couldn't beat Alabama and Clemson. Guess what? Nobody beats Alabama and Clemson. But everybody hates Brian Kelly. Can you imagine the reaction if Brian Kelly wins this game to improve to 4-1 and one in year one at LSU? Ooh, actually, it'd be 5-1. I take that back. It'd be 5-1 and because they would have played six games by now. They have not had their bye yet. They're 6-1. and one. They'd be 5-1 and one through six games, and they would officially have the first super signature win of the Brian Kelly era. If they win this game, if LSU wins this game, here's what is in, what is not debatable. This program is ahead of schedule. The Brian Kelly hire was the right hire, and I'll tell you why. It's because think back to last year. Coach O was there. Obviously, we know Coach O, the good, the bad, the whatever. But they went 6-6 six and six a year ago. They lost a lot of games that they shouldn't have or a lot of games that LSU doesn't traditionally lose. They lost to Ole Miss. They lost to Arkansas. They lost to Kentucky. They lost to UCLA. Well, if, if, LS, if LSU wins this game, it means that Brian Kelly is sitting at 5-1 and one a year after Coach O finished 6-6 six and six overall. On top of that, it's worth noting, 5-1 and one against not an easy schedule. At that point, they would have a top 10 win over Tennessee. At that point, they would also obviously have a victory at Auburn, a team in Auburn that beat LSU a year ago. They'd have a victory over Mississippi State a team that they've struggled with over the last couple of years since Mike Leach got there. Lost to them in 2020, barely survived a year ago. And so when I look at the situation with LSU, I think it's kind of the same as Tennessee. If they're to get this win, all of a sudden, I'm not saying they're the program on the rise. I'm not saying they, they beat Alabama, but look at the rest of their schedule. They'd be 5-1 and one overall. Next week, they do have Florida. Now, Florida's not an easy game, rivalry game, but they have won three of the last four against Florida. And they've won uh, two of the last three in Gainesville. So it's not as though they go to Florida next week. It's impossible to beat Florida. They've done it several times in the last couple of years, even in down years, even in Gainesville, they have been able to get those wins. From there, you have a tough game against Ole Miss and you have Bama, you have Arkansas, but you get A&M and UAB to end the year. And so right now you're five and one. You beat Tennessee, you're, you're four and one. You beat Tennessee, you're five and one. You got AM, which looks beatable. You got UAB, which looks beatable. You got Florida, which looks beatable. I think all of a sudden, then 
you're talking about in a worst case scenario, year one under Brian Kelly, you're eight and four coming off of a six and six year. By the way, a six and six year, remember where you were down a million bodies by the end of the season, a million bodies by the bowl game. You started the season with this disappointing loss to Florida State where you have all sorts of weird stuff and players are deleting their social media accounts after the game and taking LSU off their Instagram accounts. Now, all of a sudden, you're five and one. You have a signature win. And I think you're building towards something not only for the back half of this season, but I think you're building towards potentially an eight and four year. And if you can do that in year one under Brian Kelly, that is a, not only a very good sign, but what? But think about what it could mean going forward. Think about what it could mean in recruiting. Think about when you're recruiting one against the Texas A&Ms of the world, the Texases of the world that are obviously up and down this year. Think about what that means going on the road with the confidence. Yeah, we were aiming for this year, but give me another year. Give me time. Let me get my guys in. This is going to work. I went eight and four with a patchwork roster that had a couple holdovers, a bunch of transfers, a transfer quarterback, a patchwork offensive line. Now you're going to give me an offseason to start to build this roster my way? Oh, look out, LSU fans. So to me, I'm just telling you, this is the single most interesting game of the weekend in college football. I don't even think it's close. You can keep Bama AM, which we're going to talk about in a minute. You can keep Texas, Oklahoma. I know it's the Red River and it's the, the, the Dallas and it's the Texas State Fair. The most interesting game of the weekend is Tennessee LSU. Because if Tennessee wins, we're talking about them as very much a program on the rise. We're probably talking about Hennon Hooker as the Heisman Trophy favorite. And I think we're talking about Tennessee potentially as a dark horse SEC East winner, depending on what happens with Georgia. And if LSU wins, I think you're looking at at worst, at worst an eight and four season. And all of a sudden, Brian Kelly's got momentum and all the haters have been proved wrong. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I want to come back. And when I come back, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about Nick Saban. He went on another rant for the ages. And bad news for Texas A&M. He is fired up, which means I think his team is going to be fired up. And I'd be very concerned if I was Jimbo Fisher. We're going to discuss that coming up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to remind you, week five NFL season is here. If you have not signed up for the Aaron Torres podcast NFL Pick'em Challenge, what are you waiting for? Presented by Bracket Fanatics, we are giving away, uh, I'm just giving away cash thanks to Bracket Fanatics. If you have not signed up, here's the deal. First of all, if you have signed up, make sure to make your week five picks starting tonight, Thursday night, India, Denver. But if you have not signed up, here's what you got to do. Go to BracketFanatics.com. From there, click the Join Bracket tab, and then you just punch in Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. That is the name of the bracket. That is how you are entered. From there, all you got to do is pick winners and losers of every single game on the Week 5 slate. Do that. You're automatically to automatically entered to win our weekly and season-long cash prizes. Every week, we're giving away $100 in free cash courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. We already have four weekly winners. We're going to name the Week 4 winner on Friday's show. And then, also... Season-long cash prize of $1,000 to the person who gets the most correct picks. That is all courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. So go to BracketFanatics.com. Join pool. Torres, if you're already signed up, make your picks. If you're not signed up, it's not too late. You're automatically entered to win the $100 weekly cash prize and the $1,000 season-long cash prize. That is courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics. And if you have not signed up, what are you waiting for, people? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears and, and, you know, stay with the college football stuff. But as I just told you a minute ago, um, I, I do believe that while I personally think that Tennessee LSU is the most interesting game of the weekend, with the most storylines going in, or the most the most real storylines, right? Um, I do think the one that I think most of America is going to be focused on is the one that we've been talking about, frankly, really since about a year ago now, but certainly since May, and that's Texas A&M Alabama. And it's for all the reasons we've discussed. It's for all the reasons you already know. But just as a quick reminder, um, you know, A&M, a program, hires Jimbo Fisher to beat Nick Saban. It takes a while. Jimbo Fisher does it, and it feels like the trajectory of Texas A&M is on the way up. They signed the number one recruiting class in the history of high school football last year, 
And of course, Nick Saban isn't very happy about it. At a booster meeting, he says that Jimbo or that that Texas A&M bought every single player in their recruiting class. We have the big back and forth, and we think it's going to lead to this mega showdown on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. CBS, they only get one game a, a year to broadcast in primetime, and they have chosen this one. And while the game itself feels like there's a little air out of the bubble because one, Texas A&M just isn't very good, but two, Bryce Young is hurt, just because it feels like it's not quite as big as we thought it was going to be, what I will tell you is this. Do not tell that to Nick Saban because Nick Saban, I had really just another one of his all-time rants on Tuesday following practice. And so what I wanted to talk a little bit about his rant talk a little bit about something that he said on Wednesday, and then I think talk about the message behind the message, because with Nick Saban, it's never really about just what he says, but what what he is saying actually means. And so first of all, let's get to his rant. Obviously, again, the big storyline coming in from the Alabama perspective outside of the Saban comments is the fact that we don't know the, the status of Bryce Young. Now, Nick Saban has said that he's done some things at practice, but he has obviously been limited, left Saturday's game with a shoulder injury. And so the conversation becomes, will he play? How much will he play if he is available at all? And so media session on Tuesday. Um, I'm a member of the media. It's the question everybody wants asked. I feel bad for the guy or girl that actually did ask it. But Nick Saban was asked about Bryce Young's health and was not very happy about it. Here is what Nick Saban had to say. He said, again, I don't talk to Jimbo Fisher on a regular basis but I'll call him and tell him right after this conference if you want me to. And then he continues frustrated that we continue to ask about Bryce Young. I mean, you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You might as well make it up. I saw today where there's headlines in the paper where I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Bryce. It sounded like me making that statement. I've never said that, but it was there in black and white so you can make up whatever you want to make it up. Nick Saban coming in hot. What do you want? You want me to call Jimbo Fisher? Is that what you want me to do? You want me to tell you guys in the media our entire offensive game plan? Well, it ain't happening. It ain't happening, so quit asking, okay? Um, And so Nick Saban has this all-time rant, another just great rant, right? But I do think, I was thinking about what does this rant mean, right? Because the, the thing about Nick Saban, as I just said a minute ago, when he says something, it's never about what the what he's actually saying, but it's about the message behind the message. And so I heard this rant, and then I heard him talk after practice on Wednesday during his normal media availability, where he was actually pretty calm. But he actually opened the media availability, which I think is important because it's kind of his opening message. And what he said was essentially this time of year, it's easy to be worn down, but it's about consistency and consistency starts at practice. And that's how it translates to games. So you have the, the big rant about what do you want me to do? Tell you all my secrets, followed by a message about consistency. And it really struck me, what could Nick Saban be saying with this rant? Well, to me, I think I know what the answer is. I think it's pretty clear. And I think if his players get that message, Texas A&M should be very afraid. To me, what Nick Saban's message said was this. It said, look, maybe Bryce Young's going to play this weekend. Maybe he is not. But I don't want excuses. I do not care. This is what I believe Nick Saban is saying to his players. I don't care. I don't want excuses. I don't care if Bryce Young plays or not. I am showing up in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night ready to kick the crap out of Texas A&M. And if we don't have our starting quarterback, 
It's no different than not having an offensive guard, a punter, a left tackle, a cornerback. Next man up, no excuses. We're showing up to win and dominate. That is the message that I believe Nick Saban is delivering. And frankly, it's for a few reasons that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. When you think about this Alabama team, think about the reason that Nick Saban would put out that comment and that message to his team. It seems pretty straightforward to me. This is a team that over the last two years, now they were great last weekend, but over the last two years has been very emotional, very up and down to use an awful pun kind of rises and sinks with the tide. When things are going good, especially at home, they ride the momentum and they kick the crap out of teams. You don't need me to tell you, but there were plenty of examples over the last couple of years, and they have literally destroyed everybody other than Texas this year. The problem is, like I just said a minute ago, over the last couple of years, we have seen that when Alabama, when things don't start to go their way, I don't want to say they play tight, but they don't play with the fearlessness that Alabama has played with over the previous you know, decade or so, 15 plus years that Nick Saban has been there. Go back to all the results that we've talked about on this show over the last two years. A two-point win at Florida. Florida was not good last year. They fired Dan Mullen. This is last year I'm going back to. A narrow home win against LSU, 20-14, to 14, final score, six yards rushing. Um, you know, you play, uh, who else? Auburn, multiple overtimes, bad Auburn team, whatever. Uh, you lose at Texas A&M. You nearly lose at Texas. And so Nick Saban is basically saying, I have seen you guys. You've, you've ridden the highest, highest of highs. But when you get low, you get low. And I am not accepting that this weekend. Why I think it is especially important, I'll take it a step further. I think it's especially important for this particular group at this particular time. Again, I'm not saying they're soft. I'm not saying they're mentally soft. But what I am saying is this is a team that for the first time in the last two years, since all those guys left, Mac Jones left and Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner left and Jalen Waddle left and all those guys left. They're really coming off a game where they really had a ton of adversity, where they were backs against the wall, and they stepped up and delivered. And we talked about that on Monday's show, right? We talked about the fact that at Arkansas, a lot of stuff did not go their way. Most notably, Bryce Young gets hurt. You're up 21-0 when he leaves. You score a touchdown right after. But then all of a sudden, that 28-23 lead, 28-0 lead becomes 28-23. And so to the credit of this particular group of Alabama players, what happened? Rather than folding, they do what they do. A couple guys step up. Jameer Gibbs starts ripping off crazy runs. He's running at 25 miles an hour or whatever it was, and they win going away. And so to reiterate my point, I think what Nick Saban was saying was, remember that moment at Arkansas when you were starting to doubt yourself? Remember that moment when you dug deep and you said, we are not losing this game? And as a matter of fact, not only are we not losing this game, we're going to go put Arkansas out of their misery and show why we believe that we are the number one team in the country. Well, I need that for all 60 minutes this coming weekend. And oh, by the way, that is what Bryce Young's status is not an excuse. As I just said a minute ago, I'm not telling Jimbo Fisher the game plan. I'm not telling the media the game plan, but it really doesn't matter. If Bryce Young doesn't play, next man up. Jalen Milrow, the backup. It's time to step up. You got a scholarship here at Alabama too. And it's time to get going. And so to me, that was what that Nick Saban rant said. And what I will tell you is what I told you a week ago. Remember we talked about, um, you know, the, the term that, what was it? Hateful competitors that Nick Saban talked about. And all his players said, 
Coach has been telling us this for two years, and we're starting to figure out what that means. Well, I'm going to take it a step further. If his players are getting this message, I'd be very afraid because I think they had plenty of motivation coming in. Obviously, it's not, you know, and I think the motivation is misguided. I think most people think, oh, it's the motivation of what Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher, what they said over the summer. No, I think the motivation is Texas A&M beat you last year at home, stormed the field, had the time of their lives, and they started making all sorts of declarations of where this program was. And so I think that motivation was already there. But then Bryce Young gets hurt. Then Texas A&M isn't as good as we thought. And all of a sudden, it'd be good for a young team, or it'd be easy, I should say, for a young team that is coming off a big road win to come into this one and say a couple things. One, we got it. We're fine. This team isn't good. The top 10 team on the schedule is actually next week against Tennessee, or this is another win on our way to an SEC West title. That's one. And I think Nick Saban's saying, don't even think about that. I want you coming in locked in, focused on this game. This game is the most important one, and I want to embarrass the other team across from me. At the same time, I think it's also Nick Saban saying, I don't care if Bryce Young's playing. That's not an excuse. And once again, if Alabama's players are listening to that message, I would be very afraid because they listened last week at Arkansas, and it got out of hand late. I'll be very curious to see if they got the message on this one and what it means for Saturday in Tuscaloosa against Texas A&M. I'd be nervous if I was Texas A&M because Nick Saban's fired up, and I think his team is going to be fired up on Saturday as well. All right, let's wrap the show uh, with a couple other topics that are not football-related. One will end on a little bit of a pseudo-pop culture topic, but I want to start with basketball, Um, and I want to start with basketball for this reason. So many of you listen to this show, frankly, because I talk a lot of college basketball. love college basketball, grew up around college basketball. I think I talk it probably as well as anybody, to be perfectly honest, if we're being blunt on that one. But why I bring it up is because while I love college basketball, part of college basketball, right, is is watching young kids develop and get ready for the NBA. So they come to Kentucky or UCLA or Duke or Arkansas or Kansas or whomever for a year or two. If you're a fan, you get to watch them. And then as they go on to the NBA, you get to follow their careers. So we talk a lot of uh, college basketball. We talk a lot of NBA draft on this show. And what the topic is that I want to talk about right now is that this week, there is actually two different exhibition games going on featuring the projected top two picks in next year's NBA draft, okay? Neither of them is actually playing college basketball, but they they set up these events basically for NBA scouts to get eyes on the top two prospects in next year's NBA draft. The first one is a French center named Victor Wenbanyama. And if you have not seen this kid, go to YouTube, take 10 minutes, Go over there and see what this kid is about because it is absolutely incredible. Seven foot four. He's basically Chet Holmgren with another inch or two, puts the ball on the floor, shoots threes, fadeaways, whatever. And then the number two pick is a kid named Scoot Henderson who decided not to go to college and is playing for G League Ignite. And so this week they set up two exhibition games for these guys to play each other. So NBA scouts, especially with Victor Wenbanyama, can get a first look at him. One thing I'm not going to do right now, this isn't a segment about breaking down who should go number one or what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses. But instead, why I want to talk about it is because these two guys played on Tuesday night and the first conversation has already circulated out of that game. It is that Victor Wenbanyama is so good that you know what is coming next because it's the conversation that anytime any amateur athlete that isn't playing professionally has success. It's that 
Victor Wenbanyama should be shut down for the season. After he played on Tuesday night, apparently NBA teams are already telling him and his agent to do it. Essentially, he's going to be the number one pick. He has nothing to gain by playing, everything to lose by playing, and he should shut it down. Well, first of all, credit to Victor Wenbanyama because his agent told ESPN the idea of him shutting things down and not playing this year is laughable. Here is the exact quote from his agent. NBA people are telling me to shut him down, and we are not shutting him down, his agent told ESPN. If we came with that kind of talk to Victor, he will look at us and say, what are you talking about? He'll never agree to that. He wants to compete and get better. With Victor, it's basketball first and everything else second. He was so pissed off that he lost. So before we get into my outrage, shout out to Victor Wenbanyama. Doesn't appear as though he cares about anything other than basketball and anything other than being the best basketball player that he can be. But can I say something about this culture of publicly pressuring players to shut it down? This has to stop. It has to stop because it makes no sense and it runs counter to all of the reasons that these athletes become so successful in the first place. Now, look, I understand if it's a bowl game, if it's meaningless, if it's late in the year, if a college basketball star doesn't make the NCAA tournament and is playing in the NIT, then I get it. But when you're talking about a whole season, I just hate it. And when you're talking about meaningful games, I hate it as well, okay? We tried it with Zion. To Zion's credit, he came back and played. We tried it with Will Anderson last offseason. If you remember, people were pressuring Will Anderson, the star at Alabama, to shut it down and not play this season. Zion laughed it off. Will Anderson laughed it off. Many players opt to play in bowl games, even despite the fact that they could shut it down. And it appears as though Victor Wenbanyama has done the same. And I am so tired of this notion, generally pushed by media who never played sports. I think it's a freaking joke, okay? And here's why. Because to have success at the highest level, frankly, you have to love the sport, you have to be passionate about the sport, and you have to have and you have to have just such a love for the sport to want to succeed at the highest level to get to the level where you can be the number one pick. So the idea of shutting it down doesn't make sense. Even this kid, Victor Wenbanyama, yeah, he's seven foot four, but go watch the highlights from Tuesday night. It is so clear that this kid is so skilled, so good at basketball, so passionate. Yes, natural skill, but a lot of hard work. So the idea of shutting him down runs counter to the reason that he is going to be the number one pick in the first place. Yes, it's because he's seven foot four. Yes, it's because apparently he has an eight plus foot wingspan. But it's also because this is a guy that at seven foot four loves basketball and is working to be the best basketball player he will be. He can possibly be. It was the same with Zion. It was the same with Will Anderson. It's the same with all these other players who choose to play in bowl games. I don't get this idea pushed by the sports media that we don't want our best players playing sports. What I would say beyond it, it drives me crazy. And, and here's the other thing. And here's the other thing. I said this with Zion when it happened. Everybody talks about what a about a career-ending injury. I've been following at least basketball. Now, football is a little bit different, whatever. Basketball, I've been following this stuff a long time. There is no such thing in the modern world as a career-ending injury, okay? I hate to say it. I hate to ruin the suspense. I hate to ruin it for everybody that wants the best players to not play. It doesn't exist. Keep in mind, we've seen players come back in six, seven, eight months from ACL tears. ACL tears used to be a season-ending, a career-ending injury. It's not anymore. 
Achilles injuries. Kevin Durant came back after a year. He was fine. And these are the worst case scenarios. And I don't want any of it to happen. But the point that I'm trying to make in modern medicine, name me the injury that is career ending. It does not exist. And beyond that, name me the guy, especially in basketball, that has suffered a career ending injury. It doesn't exist. I've been following basketball for close to 30 years now. Okay. I have not seen one player that I can remember. And I'm trying to remember that has suffered a career ending injury in college that did not allow them to capitalize on the NBA. And oh, by the way, they have such a, they have such good insurance policies that they'd be rich beyond their wildest dreams. If something were to happen, I'm not going to give a specific name, but I know of a very specific player who was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He played in a bowl game. And what I was told was that his insurance was so good that if he somehow got hurt and thankfully, you know, He's playing in the NFL. He's doing well. But I remember being told if something happened that he couldn't play in the NFL, he's going to make more money at least for the next two or three years off of that insurance policy than he would as an NFL player. And so this idea that we're trying to convince young people in their developmental stages of their career that the right thing to do is not to play, we have to stop it. And then we wonder why NBA players have load management. We like It doesn't make sense to me. It runs counter to how they get successful. It runs counter to what sports is supposed to be, which is about team and working together and all that stuff. Absolutely drives me crazy. Credit to Victor Wenbanyama for not listening to all the noise and not listening to all the nonsense. Really quickly, I do want to wrap on a much lighter note. I saw a story, sort of sports-related, but sort of not sports-related. It's more pop culture, but it has a sports twist. Did you see that Adam Sandler said that he wants to make Happy Gilmore 2? And so I just want to talk about this really quick because I will tell you this. I am actually in favor of remakes and reboots. I think for the most part, most of them are good. I mean, we live in a world of nothing but reboots. Nobody watches anything original anymore. What's the last original thing you watched? It's all a remake of this, a documentary of that. This happened in the 90s. And I'll tell you, most of them I watch are good. I'm going to tell you, it'll take you a little too far behind the scenes in my personal life, but I'll tell you, remember how I met your mother? I watched season one of how I met your father not that long ago. It was pretty good. Full house. They made fuller house. It was pretty good. Rocky. Rocky four might be the best one. Uh, Creed. Creed two. They were all good. So I- I've seen this pushback of you can't make happy Gilmore two. Why not? Major League. Major League 2 was awesome. I think Major League 2 was better than Major League 1. I think Home Alone, which is not a sports movie, although, you know, Kevin was pretty athletic there throwing rocks and stuff at those old guys, Marvin Harry. But Home Alone 2, I thought was better than Home Alone 1. So I'm not against the, I've seen a lot of pushback of you can't ruin Happy Gilmore. I mean, Happy Gilmore isn't Casablanca here, okay? Can we can we pump the brakes on the idea that you're going to ruin Happy Gilmore? So I thought it was funny. But then what I would also say, I did see Adam Sandler's comments on it, and I did get a little bit concerned. Here's what Adam Sandler said about the idea of making Happy Gilmore 2. He said, wouldn't it be fun to do the senior tour of Happy Gilmore and hang out with all those guys and try to write a great script about a great script about Happy as an older guy and having to calm down his temper and all that stuff? But I never know. Maybe one day something like that. I believe Adam Sandler told that to Variety. What I'll say about that is this. I am very much in favor of remakes. I think most of them are pretty good. 
I can't watch Happy Gilmore on the senior tour, okay? That is one that we cannot have happen. To me, there's nothing worse than watching an old guy try to relive his glory. To me, the script is easy. I'm going to write it for you right here, Adam Sandler. This is all you got to do. Happy. Remember, who was Happy's mentor? It was Chubbs. Now there's another young, crazy, aggressive golfer that likes to beat up hosts of the prices, right? Maybe we pull out Drew Carey just for fun's sake. I said fun's sake, F-U-N, by the way. Maybe we pull out Drew Carey. I don't know. The point I'm trying to make, why not? Now Happy's the mentor. Like you said, it's okay for him to kind of be the calming influence. I don't want to watch Happy Gilmore on the senior tour. By the way, how about Happy Gilmore on the live tour? That'd be kind of funny. Happy Gilmore on the senior tour. We don't want that. We don't want Happy Gilmore on the senior tour. I either want Happy Gilmore on the live tour or I, I want Happy Gilmore as the mentor to the, cra- the the young kooky guy that's a little bit crazy, but it'd be fun. I hope they would get Ben Stiller back. Obviously, he was a uh, star of that movie. Happy Gilmore too, maybe coming to a theater near you. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. What an episode. We covered a lot of ground. LSU, Tennessee, super serious. Nick Saban going crazy. Victor Wimbanyama. And happy Gilmore, too. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Aaron Torres. All you got to do is look me up there. You'll find me. Clips of the show, full episodes drop every single day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern. That is all for today's show. I want to thank our partners at Betfred, a lot of great stuff. If you want to get to that Broncos tailgate, hit me up, DM me. Let's see if we can make it happen. And then also on top of that, make sure to join uh, Aaron Torres podcast, NFL Pick'em Challenge, BracketFanatics.com, join Pool Torres. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torker. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Call me, dude. Not call me, unblock me. Shout out to Happy Gilmore. Don't make Happy Gilmore too with Happy on the Senior Tour. That's all for today's show. I'll be back on Friday. Preview episode, Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.